Atheists believe that if you buy a jigsaw puzzle and pour the pieces all over a table and leave it long enough, it will not only put itself together, but also some of the pieces will come to life. Like what they say happened to the 10 trillion galaxies in the universe after the Big Bang and life on Earth. Hi, I'm Paul and this is CYKIAE for the people who don't think that. In about 1995, the modern superstring theory was announced. It was revolutionary. It said that there were 11 dimensions. Bill Bryson, in his book, A Short History of Nearly Everything, tells us that these dimensions were the three that we already knew about, length, breadth and depth, plus time, which we also knew about. There are also another seven dimensions that are unknowable to us. How staggering. Scientific progress. You have to marvel. Well, except, of course, God knows all about the universe. And from the Bible, a source of considerable scientific knowledge, a Hebrew sage named Nachmanides, living in Spain in the 12th century, told us that there were ten dimensions, four known to us, and six that were unknowable. He's probably right. There are ten, not eleven. Chapter one of the book of Genesis was his source. So the 1995 announcement was really very old news. The story of Jesus from the resurrection until his return to heaven is repeatedly the story of those other dimensions, unknowable to us, known only to God. And this program is about Jesus and the superstring theory and the resurrection of Jesus after his crucifixion. Archaeological evidence of the tombs in Jerusalem at the time of the crucifixion showed that the tomb entrance would have been sealed by a block of stone, like a plug, to seal the entrance to the tomb to keep out animals and to protect it. There were only four tombs that we know of today in Jerusalem that had a round stone, a luxury of the super-wealthy and powerful, including the tomb of Herod, the king. Although the Bible talks about the stone being rolled into the entrance, this would have happened regardless of the shape of the stone. No one was going to lift a block of rock this big. Thanks to further research, it seems that the number of Roman soldiers sent to guard the tomb was 16, probably in rotations of four at a time. There were certainly more than two guards on at any one time, and this is clear from Matthew 28, 11, when he says, Some of the watch, the guard, came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done after Jesus had left the tomb. So some of the watch who went to the chief priests clearly means at least Two men, possibly more, definitely not one, and there were only some, so there were still men back at the tomb. A Roman guard was governed by very strict rules. Each member was responsible for six square feet of space. The guard members could not sit down or lean against anything while they were on duty. 
If a guard member fell asleep, he was beaten and burned with his own clothes. But he wasn't the only one executed. The entire 16-man guard unit would have all been executed if only one of their members had fallen asleep while on duty. So the tomb of Jesus was really well guarded. After the Pharisees asked for the guard, saying that the deceiver had said he would rise from the dead after three days, I think it has to be assumed that the Pharisees would have wanted to actually see and identify the body of Jesus in the tomb before it was sealed. It's likely that when the Roman guards arrived, they were instructed to roll the stone that Joseph of Arimathea had placed blocking the entrance away so that the Pharisees could unwrap the head of Jesus to make sure that the body hadn't already been switched. Then the seal of Rome was put on the stone after it had been rolled back into place. Anyone messing with that tomb would probably have faced crucifixion themselves. At least they would have been severely punished. As I said in the last program, you can bet that the Pharisees would have sent some of their temple guards there to watch the Romans. The Romans were hated by the Jews. They weren't trusted. Maybe it would have served Rome's purpose to have this Jesus be rumoured to have come back from the dead. The Pharisees wouldn't have taken that chance. So now the scene was set. 24-hour guards from sometime on Thursday in daylight hours until the resurrection of Jesus was promised, prophesied to take place on the Sunday. Three days and nights of death for Jesus would have ended at sunset on the Saturday evening when the new day begins in Jewish tradition. A day for the Jews begins at sunset. The resurrection of Jesus would therefore have taken place, as promised, at some time after sunset on the Saturday, which to the Jews was the Sunday. The next thing that happened in relation to the resurrection of Jesus is told in Matthew 28, 1-4. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, the first day of the week, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Nice touch. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. They were too scared to move. Nowhere do any of the accounts say that Jesus stepped out of the tomb after the angel had opened it. Why not? Because he was already gone. He didn't need the stone rolled away to get out of the sealed tomb. A couple of the Roman guards rushed off to see the high priests. They were definitely going to be gentler on them than their own Roman officers would be. Matthew 28.11 says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. So some of the members of the Roman guard, knowing that the body of Jesus was no longer in the tomb, 
probably ran to tell Caiaphas and Annas that the tomb was opened, probably after first discussing what to do with their other guards. The other guards stayed at the tomb. I guess things couldn't get much worse, but if all of the guards had abandoned their posts, then that would have looked really bad. So what to do? In Matthew 28, 12-15, it tells us what the Jewish leadership advised, and it was really bad advice. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they, the Jewish leadership, gave large money under the soldiers. Nothing like a little bribery to try to kill the story of Jesus' resurrection, no longer being in the tomb, rising from the dead, or at least his followers having made it look that way. Matthew continues, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Asking these Roman soldiers who had probably stoned to death or watched one or more of their number being stoned to death for sleeping on sentry duty wasn't really good advice. The Bible continues, And if this come to the governor's ear, that's Pilate, we will persuade him. Again, bribery. And boy, that would have to be a big bribe. And secure you. The 30 pieces of silver that was paid to Judas must have been starting to look really like a bad investment. So they, the guards, took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. I think the way around the problem that now existed was probably in the hands of the chief priests. They were the ones who had asked for the guard in the first place. If they now said to the Roman soldiers in charge that the guard wasn't needed any longer, that probably would have taken care of the bigger problem, Jesus gone. I would pretty well guarantee that the chief priest didn't go to see Pilate himself. They would have dealt with a lower-level Roman officer, maybe with a much smaller bribe, who then, at their request, would have recalled the Roman guard detail from the tomb, and as far as the Romans were concerned, that was the end of their story. Now here's a question you probably haven't asked yourself, but you should, because the answer is interesting. Why was the stone blocking the entrance to the tomb rolled back? because Jesus had already gone. I'll tell you about that and how in a minute. In a later program in this series, I'm going to tell you about a number of accounts, including how Jesus appeared in the middle of rooms which had their doors locked, and how he then disappeared, and how he disappeared from the presence of two of his followers while he was sitting down at a table with them breaking bread. So the stone blocking the entrance to the tomb didn't need to be removed to let Jesus out. How Jesus was able to leave the tomb without going through the entrance is explained by the string theory. About multiple dimensions that science knows exists, but doesn't know what they are. The removal of the stone blocking the entrance to the tomb served a number of other important purposes though. There's no comment that any of the guards entered the tomb. The presence of the angel would have deterred anyone from doing that. After the tomb was opened, there was no longer any point standing around outside an empty tomb. Everyone connected with the chief priests and the Romans had cleared out 
before the first women arrived at the tomb early that morning. So let's see what happened when the first of the followers of Jesus arrived at the tomb that Sunday morning. Jesus was crucified on the 14th of Nisan in the Jewish calendar. That meant that his resurrection was on the 17th of Nisan. That was the very same day that Noah's ark had come to rest on the mountains of Ararat, and Noah had opened the door to the ark. Life for mankind on earth then began again after the great flood. So now it was with the resurrection of Jesus. There was an even more important new beginning for those of mankind who chose to believe in Jesus. Much of the Old Testament gives clear signs of the coming of Jesus. In Matthew 28.1 it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. Chuck Missler, an American computer information expert and biblical expert, commented that the word for Sabbath in the original Greek version of Matthew's Gospel was plural, meaning that there was more than one Sabbath. This, he says, supports the view that the crucifixion was on a Wednesday, because there were two Sabbaths between the crucifixion and the resurrection, the High Sabbath on the Thursday and the usual Sabbath on the Saturday. Mark 16, 3-8 tells us what happened as the women approached the tomb. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Peter's standing as a disciple of Jesus was very much in the balance. He denied Jesus three times on the night that Jesus was taken to the chief priests. Could Peter earn back his place with Jesus now that Jesus was risen? So the women were told by the angel that Jesus goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. As he said unto you, and they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre. More discussion between the women and the angels at the tomb is related in Luke 24, 4-8, where it reads, And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they, the women, were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. The women remembered what Jesus had told them and the disciples. 
that he would rise from the dead three days after his crucifixion. But that was more than what the disciples remembered when the women returned from the tomb and told them what the angels had said to them, that Jesus was risen, as we're told in Luke 24:11, And their words seemed to them, to the disciples, as idle tales, and they believed them not. Still, Peter and John went to the tomb to see for themselves, as we're told in John 23-10. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, that's a reference to John, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. You have to love John's account of how he outran Peter to the tomb little friendly competition. And he, that's John, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself." Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre. And he saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. This account clearly makes it clear that it wasn't grave robbers that stole the body of Christ. Why would anyone unwrap a corpse wrapped the linen up that he was wrapped in neatly and put it on the stone that he was lying on. It seems that Mary Magdalene, and by the way, she wasn't a prostitute. She was an extremely wealthy and influential woman of high standing in the community. Anyway, she didn't actually enter the tomb when she followed John and Peter back to the tomb, as John tells us in John twenty eleven to 18 the disciples then left, but Mary remained. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white, sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Now remember, Mary Magdalene was very, very close to Jesus, but she still didn't recognize him. I'll talk about why she didn't recognize him in my next program. John's account continues... Jesus saith unto her, in Greek, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, in Aramaic, the usual language that Jesus spoke in, Mary. She recognized his voice, 
she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. Apparently Mary embraced Jesus in a strong death grip, and Jesus asked her to loosen her grip, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had again spoken these things unto her. So now things are set for the disciples to meet with Jesus a number of more times before he left earth and returned to heaven. Thanks for listening into this program, CYKIAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYKIAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on Cairns FM 89.1 for clickable links. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns and District Junior Estedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9am. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket, DZ, close brackets.